0: Welcome back to Common Sense Fantasy Baseball. I'm Drew and I'm here today with Brian Rudd of Baseball HQ. Brian, thanks for being on the podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for I've having been me. Looking
0: forward to this um, Okay, well there you heard the first of, of many audio glitches. I think the the tracks just didn't sync up well for this one. But I really wanted to go ahead and get this episode out because I think a lot of the analysis that we uh that I discussed with Brian is um, is really cool stuff. Um, I wanted to sort of take a step back here from the ADP, the first uh, 10 rounds that I've gone through. And Brian agreed to to pick a couple targets and a couple of voids um, in those rounds that we could take a little bit of a deeper dive in for to discuss some players. And um, I want to talk about players relative to the players that are going around them. And I want to sort of focus on what we do with a player's projection. So I hope that stuff will be really useful to uh, everybody listening. So please bear with the audio, it's not that bad, but um, there are a couple of spots where we'll talk over each other, or it sounds like we are because I think the tracks are not lining up correctly. So I will do my best to do better with the audio in the future, but please uh, enjoy this episode anyway. We're gonna pick right up um, with Brian's first player that he's avoiding.
1: One guy that I'll be avoiding at his cost is Tyler Glass now. I really do like him as a pitcher, but I'm just mainly concerned about the workload. He threw just 63 innings last year, 112 in 2018. So I'm not sure. You know, I haven't heard any definitive plans from the Rays, but I'm just not sure how much of a workload he can take on. And he's currently going – His average draft position in the January online championships is 62. That just seems like a pretty steep price. And then also a couple of concerns are he's really just a two-pitch pitcher, which is a minor knock against him. And I'm just not sure that 12 starts that he had last year is enough of a sample to assume that the walk issues that he's had throughout his career are just completely gone away. So, little too much risk. And I think he'll be very good on a per basis, but I don't think the workload is going to be enough to justify that draft position. So I won't be having Glass now on any of my teams this year.
0: I think that's a great, um, I agree with you. Just first of all, I think, I think Glass now is a guy I don't have any of. Of course, you know, I'm doing a lot of this sort of get my one or two aces in the first round or two and uh, then avoid pitchers for several rounds. So, like, Glassnow's just kind of not in my strategy. Um, You know, uh, I know Toby from Batflip Crazy and a lot of other people have talked about the fact that, you know, the glob is a little bigger than we think it is. It, It, you know, starts earlier and it goes through, you know, several rounds where you're really paying up for pitching, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth round. You can get some really good hitters there. And you know we have guys that go the way of Shane Bieber in that in that range, or or Ryu from last year, but we also have the guys that go the way of um, Nick Pavetta. So it's a it's a dangerous area. Yeah. This is a little earlier, and I, I do think Glass now has more upside than some of those guys I, I mentioned, even. But um, but uh, you know this kind of goes along a theme. I like to talk about it, and that's I really in the first ten rounds want a guy where. If, you know, above all else, I a guy where I know what I'm getting, right, um, at least as far as the floor goes. And so Glasnow has several strikes against him, many of which you mentioned. You know, he's a two-pitch pitcher. That could be okay. You know, um, he certainly has two very good pitches. And, um, you know, he, he was really dealing them last year in a short sample. Um, but the, the unknowns would be, you know, with what's his – how many innings is he going to get – you know, the, the short sample itself is an unknown. And, um, you know, the injury past is, is somewhat of an unknown. So there's just a lot of things like that. Um, and the way the rays use their, their pictures and manage their pictures. And so there's probably others that I'm not thinking of. So, um, for all those reasons, you know, I'm looking at pictures that go sort of behind glass now. And so you've got like maybe James Paxton, I think I'd prefer him. Um, Possibly even Brandon Woodruff. Uh, certainly, if you can get Granky around the same area as Glasnell, that seems like a bargain. Um, or even just going up to the next round and getting any of, like, you know, Charlie Morton or you Darvish or somebody like that around earlier just seems safer to me. So um, so I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Anything yeah. else to say about the, the, the risks there or you think we pretty much covered it?
1: No, and I agree with most of, the, most of those names that you mentioned there as well.
0: Okay, well, I guess the last thing with Glass now is, um, you know, sort of do we agree with the projections? I know we kind of already talked about his innings, and that's probably the point I would bring out. Um, interestingly, Steamer and Depth, depth Starts have him for 163 uh, innings, and ATC, it's just 144. So... I guess I would tend to side with ATC and I think 144 is about the upper limit. I would ask now, what do you think?
1: Yes, I would be surprised myself if he got to 150 plus this year. So I would side with the ATC on that one as well. And there's potential for a little bit less than that, even if he's
0: pretty healthy. Most people are just considering the health, but you also have to consider the workload. I mean, he's just never, you know, two two years ago he pitched 111, and that's high for the last <laughs> several seasons. So yeah, um, definitely a concern there. But int- but that's that's uh that's good uh, analysis for Glass. Now I think um, I think we're both sort of on the same page that there are there are other guys you can um, get ar- going around him that are going to give you a better shot at the innings you need. So um, now changing to uh, going a little positive here, who's a guy that you're targeting at his price?
1: One guy that I'm real interested where, at where he's going right now is Hector Neris. I think he's a very valuable closer. He, he lost um, a little bit on the whiffs last year. But as a strikeout percentage went down from 37.4% to 32.4%, but still got a lot of swings and misses. And with that drop in his um, strikeout rate came a huge increase in his ground ball rate. He only got had a 31% ground ball rate in 2018. It jumped to 45% in 2019, which brought his home run per nine, down from 2.1 in 2018, down to a more respectable 1.3. So he's a guy that has trouble with the long ball, and he's in a, a pretty, a very hitter-friendly park. So it's, I think the trade-off, a few less strikeouts for more ground balls, is probably uh, a good thing for Neris. You know, considering his uh, swing and miss stuff is still pretty elite, and. He has a he has seems to have a real firm grip on the closer role, and I like him quite a bit more than some of the guys that are going ahead of him right now. And looking at the guys going behind him, like rounds eleven through fifteen closers, the more I look at those guys, I like him even less than I thought. So I think he's uh, one of my primary targets
0: for uh, as yeah. Far you, as mean you like him go. even more than you thought. You like you like the others even less. Maybe that's what she said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, um, I think you know with closers, obviously the projection you're most interested in is the saves, and I think you're right. I mean, ATC and Steamer both have him for 31, 32. So everybody's assuming, like you are, that he has a stranglehold on that job. And yeah, um, I really like what you say about all the skills. I, d- I didn't realize how dominant he had been. Um, like you said, the the the, the strikeout rate and the swinging strike rate came down just a tick, but they're incredibly uh, dominant Uh swinging strike rate was still 17.6%, which is got to be one of the leaders, low, con- very, very low contact. Um, I like that. You know, you said, you, you mentioned the, the home run um, improvement. Uh, with closers, I always think about how small of a sample size this is. So he had, uh, he allowed 11 home runs in, uh, what was it? 47 innings in 2018. And in 2019, he had a few more innings and he brought the home runs all the way down to 10. So (laughs) 10, 11, you know, we're looking at a very small sample size. So, you know, I I like your reason that it came down. Uh, I'm also just not super worried about home runs in that sample size. And especially if nobody's on base, you got to like that. So. So I'm definitely in agreement with you on Neris. Um <clears throat> Some guys that were going around him, uh, like going actually a, a couple of picks before him uh, in recent drafts, uh, Rasiel Iglesias, would you take uh, Narris over him?
1: Yes, I definitely would. Iglesias has shown little deterioration in the skills, and um, Reds like to utilize him. In various roles from time to time, and he didn't have um, exactly the, the stranglehold on that job last year. So I mean, I think he'll get the majority of saves for the Reds, yeah. but probably not as high of a percentage as Nairas. Well, well, that's a good point, team.
0: and I, and I think I agree for the exact same reason. I mean, the pretty much one of the main things you're looking for with a closer is is that he's going to be the guy, and I think there's there's at least a little risk with Iglesias there. Um, also going around there is Craig Kimbrell. Would you take Naris over him?
1: Yes. I don't really have any desire to own Kimbrell this year. It's been a while since we've seen him pitch effectively. Yeah, not, so. yeah, it's not even close to me between well, Yeah, two.
0: not only the recent track record with Kimbrell, but you know that elbow is a concern. Um, so I, I would agree. I'd take Naris over him. And these are guys actually going – Ahead of Naris, um, another one is Kenley Jansen. Would you take Naris over him? yes, Great. I would I think I would too. you know again it's just that little uh, those those sort of ch- chinks in the armor, so to speak, you know those little elements of risk that um, you know with with jansen there's there's been health there's been a definite decline in his performance um, whereas Naris looks to be a lot more dominant and a lot more you know, in his prime and even going, uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, I was just going to say Jansen's been, uh, you know, among the safest for a long time, but I think that's, uh, you know, not quite as safe now after what we saw last year. All
0: right, And then, you know, going even around ahead of Neres, there's guys like Edwin Diaz and Taylor Rogers that might be around the cutoff for me. I, Although I mean with with Evan Diaz after last season there there is some risk, so I might even consider Naris over him. I mean, especially if I can get Naris around later, I'm going Naris there, but um, I don't know how would you compare him to those guys?
1: Um, yeah, I still think I would prefer Naris I mean I'm I think Diaz will bounce back. He definitely was unlucky last year, but I'm also a little surprised how much faith everybody has in that his price is a little higher than I would have expected. And I would imagine if he gets off to, you know, like I said, I think he'll be good this year, but if he gets off to a shaky start, I don't know how long that leash is going to be considering it wasn't his job at the yep, end last that's year. That's a great
0: point. I mean, we know Seth Lugo can do the job. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm with you. I think I'm with, I think the sentiment that he bounced back bounces back, but um but I'm also with you that it's not a sure thing and, you know, think people like him because of the strikeouts and how dominant he is. But um, Maris certainly is up there as well. So, and I like, I like that certainty there. Mm-hmm. So I'll wait. Well, okay. Um, I think you had uh one more guy that you're targeting. So uh, who's that?
1: Last one is Yasiel Puig. You know, he's, Going quite a bit earlier in 2018. Then went out and had a fantastic year. Top 600 plate appearances at 267, 24 24 homers and 19 steals. So right now he's going 143 in the online championships in January. That seems kind of crazy. I know people tend to, you know, their value – Always shoots up when they sign. So you know, I wouldn't expect him to. But 143
0: is, I <laughs> just, sorry to interrupt, but man, that's that's insane. Uh, he's, he's going 111th in the draft champions, and I still think that's crazy late.
1: Yeah, that's what I, I had, like, 113 written down at first. And I looked at the online championship this morning, and in 14 of those drafts, Earliest is 121, and the ADP is 143. But even that,
0: correct. I just checked your math. That's insane. He he's gone as late as 182.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So no matter where he signs, price will go up. Even at but even at 111, 113. I mean, I think it would even. He'd be a top hundred pick.
0: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: Oh yeah. So but I don't know. He's even if he gets into the top 75 that power speed combo is pretty enticing. So I think he's going to be a very good buy wherever he lands. And if you're in drafts now, I mean, it's insane to pass up on the value. I know there's been some guys who have held out and burned people in years past, so I guess that is the primary reason behind it. But I'd be shocked if he didn't sign somewhere, and I'd be – all over him right now. If I was
0: Jeff, well, I think I've already kind of tipped my hand here. I definitely agree with you. This value is is really kind of insane. I don't. I mean, maybe some people are expecting that he'll hold out. I I really don't see a a Le'Veon Bell situation here, so to speak. Yeah. But um, you know, the only other slight, uh, you know, gripes people could have with Puig is. Just, you know, he had a terrible March-April, 192 batting average. Um, he just really got off to a slow start. But after that, he was just the same old plea, Like you said, he ended up with a 267 batting average. It was 266 expected. I mean, he was just, you know what you're getting with this guy. It's going to be 25 to 30 home runs. It's going to be around 15 steals. It's going to be a decent spot in the lineup with solid counting stats. I mean, there's really just nothing, you know, nothing to say that uh, he's not going to be, you know, basically uh, match the last several seasons. He seems to just kind of do it every year. I think, uh, you know, another thing with Puig is that a lot of people early in his career were expecting even more. But, um, you know, I don't think he's no one's no one's ever going to see him as that potential first or second round player again, unless he. Shows something he hasn't shown for, but he's solidly and always been a top, you know, 75 player. So, could he push up yeah. to the, even the fifth, sixth round after he gets signed? Absolutely, he could. He was going fourth or fifth round last year. So,
1: yeah, I, mean, I would think the Indians or Cardinals, preferably the Cardinals, it's getting old, them not doing anything at all. But <laughs> I, I would think somebody like them would jump in and fix their Yeah, pills. the Car-
0: the Cardinals. Uh he would he would fit in perfectly there. Uh I don't know what the Indians are doing, but um my dad's a Cardinals fan, so I, I know he's he's listening with glee uh and and hoping you're right about that. So
1: hopefully <laughs> is listening <laughs> yeah.
0: too. So with Puig, how do you feel about the projections? Um would you you know you, are, you, are you good with what uh you know Steamer and ATC are projecting or, or HQ if it's if it's different um, it looks like ATC has him for 25 home runs 16 steals, a 267 average, 73 runs and 81 RBI
1: Yes, I think that's pretty fair he'll uh, provide power and speed along with a decent yeah, average Like
0: I was saying before, I mean 20, 25 plus and 15-ish Seem like what he always does. Um, so, so you know, since we're sort of good with the projection, um, let's look at some guys going before Puig. He's going in a weird range right now since he doesn't have a job. So anywhere from around 115th to, you know, in some recent drafts closer to 140th, and then we've seen him go as late as 180. What did I say? 182. So. Going before even one fifteenth, you have um, uh, another outfielder, Andrew Benintendi, at one hundred nine or so, uh, depending on which draft you're looking at. But going a little before Puig, how do you feel about that comparison? Would you would you prefer uh, Puig to Benintendi?
1: Yes, I would prefer Puig to Benintendi. Um, yeah, not totally convinced Benintendi will you know, run as much uh he didn't run very much last year when he was um batting outside those top few lineup spots and um you know there's a chance I think roster resource has him projected batting fifth now. All that could change if Betts gets traded, maybe moves up a few spots, but a little worried that the steals could be just barely over ten for him and not totally convinced he's going to bounce back in a big way, I would take Puig over
0: Ben yeah, I agree with you on that one. I think you know Benintendi is is darn near an a void for me um, and and really for the same reason i mean I just don't know where those steals are going to come in he's he's not really a burner, and it was weird because you know he had twenty steals in in two thousand and seventeen and twenty one in two thousand and eighteen, and so it's you know you have to wonder if the Red Sox decided to stop stealing and They got a new manager coming in, of course, but you don't really know how that's going to play out. And with a guy who's not really super fast, I just can't count on even double-digit steals. Um, You know, it may work out with him, but, you know, I feel like I'm a lot more certain about what I'm going to get with Puig. And and as far as the power goes, it's going to be better uh, with Puig. Um, You know, if not... Just Not just the stolen bases, but the power as well. Maybe a little more batting average for Benintendi, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. I'd, I'd go Puig there. What about um, Oscar Mercado? He's going a little bit before Benintendi even, but would you take um, him or Puig straight up?
1: Uh, might depend on how my team's built at that point. I value them pretty similarly. Expect a little more speed out of Mercado. So um, I'd be fine taking whichever one fell to me. Or if I need speed would lean Mercado, if I need a little more power, I might go for Puig. Yeah, I
0: guess that's fair. 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 It depends what you're going for because they're probably going to flip-flop who gives you more home runs and who gives you more stolen bases. So maybe like 25-15 with Puig and 15-25 with Mercado or something like that. Um, right. Yeah, I think I would give Puig though personally because for for one, just the counting stats, um, I think are going to be a little bit better. You know, the I'm I'm not quite sold on Mercado's even hitting 15 home runs, and you know when you start talking about a guy who's going to hit, you know, maybe 10 home runs, and maybe maybe I'm not giving Mercado enough credit, but you know I, you can really it's going to be hard for him to have a decent number of runs and RBIs, but Maybe that's nitpicking. Let's look at a more aggressive comp. Um, Luis Robert right now is going in the low 80s as a pick. And, um, you know, he's probably pushing into the round here and and may even go higher by March. But um, what do you think about, you know, him versus Puig? Obviously, the market likes Luis Robert a lot more. Is it, is it is it even close for you or would you would, – is this the point where you would go Lewis-Robert over Puig?
1: Um, I do think it's close. I, I think I might lean Puig just because I feel a lot – the batting average is a lot safer. But um, I guess Robert probably has a little more upside. But I think I – I would probably lean Puig and at the current price, I would definitely
0: prefer Puig. This is tough. I mean, this is one of those where I think I mentioned sort of in the intro, you know, error bars around the projection, (laughs) you know, he, he has a little bit better projection even on ATC than Puig does about the same batting average, but, um, well, I guess a few fewer home runs. It's 21 home runs and 18 stolen bases. So actually their projections are pretty close. Um, with a little more power for Puy. but his steamer projection, Lu- Luis Roberts, is twenty-six home runs and twenty-three stolen bases, so um, and, a, and an even better batting average. So, so definitely, there's some, there's a lot of variance there. I think, and of course, you know, there's also a lot of variance on the downside. Um, without even looking at projections, I mean, this is a guy who's never played in the majors, um, and so I, I've heard a lot of people say. Um, the batting average, he he could, and people throw out a lot of comps, you know, he could, he could do Moncada things and hit, you know, 220, 230 for a year before he sort of figures out major league pitching. Um, no matter who you want to comp him to, I mean, the fact is he just doesn't have the experience. So it's, we can't lean on any kind of track record there in the majors. So, so yeah, I would say I agree with you. Robert has more upside, but he also has, Um, a lot more question marks. So I would be tempted to go. I I would definitely take the discount and take Puig if he's going where he is now. If they were going at the same price, that would be hard. I might just take Ramon Laureano instead or something. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, well, let's get into my, you know, so you gave your one avoid and two targets. I'm going to do two avoids and one target. Um, My first avoid I want to talk about, is Reese Hoskins. Um, Reese Hoskins is going in January in the draft champions leagues at one pick 116, so so the middle to late uh, eighth round, and uh, you know he was actually going a lot higher last year, coming off of a, a pretty uh, sterling rookie campaign. Uh, Hoskins to me is he sort of exemplifies a lot of things a lot of things I like to look at with with hitting and that is uh, he doesn't strike out as much as some guys he struck out a little bit more last year but uh, he actually makes a decent amount of contact the problem is his quality of contact um, he his expected batting average last year was 221 in um, all of 2018 it was 235 and his extremely hot short 2017, it was 253. So to me, Reese Hoskins is a you know, somewhere between 230 and 240 hitter, um, and that's just giving him a pass for last year, really, uh, and saying, you know, I know he had an injury. Uh, I think it was in early August. Um, maybe off on the timing there, but anyway, uh, you know, that's basically saying he's not really a 221 hitter. Um, you know, he could do a little bit better than that. But to me, that's that's going to hurt you. And then if you look into the pitch tracking, which I've started doing a little bit more recently, he really can't hit breaking balls. That's the, that's the problem. Um, That's why that's dragging his average down. He's, you know, again, the contact uh, wasn't as good last year, but he's making just enough contact to, to ground out or whatever, (laughs) you know? So it's not, it's, I guess with Reese Hoskins, probably more likely pop out. Um, He's got, he's got a very high launch angle, but it's not, um, having the results you want. And I think a guy's like, you know, Jay Bruce or something like that, you know, you can hit the ball in the air a lot. It's only good if it goes out of the stadium or out of the park. Um, Right. So, so that's kind of my take on Reese Hoskins. It's uh, the, the power um, is surprisingly not, you know, I think people see him um, sort of in the same vein as Nelson Cruz or, you know, um, that's probably a bad comp, but, but, it, but it a guy like that with the true light tower power, um, you know, uh, Joey Gallo, maybe not quite Joey Gallo, but, but certainly the, the Mike Trouts of the world and the, those guys that you see up there at the top of the max exit velocity every year, Reese Hoskins in, in, tw- in 2019, his max exit velocity was 111 um, miles per hour. So that's, that's pretty far down. I mean, that's, that's, that's fine. That's good. That's. Enough to hit home runs, but it was uh, it was one ninetieth um, uh, in the league. If you look at guys with fifty batted ball events or more, so that's wow. that's that's surprising to some people that that Reese Hoskins. And when you look into the details, he's actually a pull ball hitter. He almost you know, a large percentage, let's say, of his home runs were pulled. Um, that's not to say that that profile is is not sustainable. I mean, Bregman will do that every year for sure. But you know, I I put Reese in a, a category of guys where there's there's more shaky ground there because he um the, the average is just the average floor is so low. And I really don't know that the average ceiling is very high. So that's a lot of words. I don't know if I convinced you or if you're already off of him, but, but I, I will let you talk now. What do you think about Reese Hoskins?
1: All right. Yeah, it pains me to say it, but I tend to agree with you. I was a really big fan after that uh, small sample, 2017. I thought he was going to be, you know, a perennial 40 home run guy with, you know, with a pretty decent batting average, to sixty, two seventy, on a year end basis. But, you know, last year, like you were saying, over 700 plate appearances, just had 29 homers. And low batting average, his expected slugging of 4.26 was 36 percentile and 28 points below his actual slugging. So, uh, yeah, I mean his high walk rate makes him a lot more valuable in OBP leagues, but in these standard five by five leagues, that batting average is is going to hurt. You know, I would expect something in the 240 range also, and something. Closer to you know, the low 30s than the 40s I was expecting from him. So I'm afraid to say I'm going to be out on Hoskins
0: this year, too, I believe. So, yeah, I think we're actually pretty in line with projections on Hoskins. Um, let's see. Steamer has him for a 242 average. I'd probably take the under. you would probably be right in line with that. Uh, ATC has him for 240. They each have him for thirty-six home runs and ninety-one runs, ninety-six RBIs, even three stolen bases, three or four. I was looking at ATC when I read all that out, so they're pretty close. Um, how do you feel about those? I, I think I think I'm going to take the under on home runs for reasons that I think I've talked about. Uh, you know, the fact that he is not does not have the the light tower power. Uh, of a Nelson Cruz type hitter. Um, but, I, you know, I'm okay with most of the projection. I guess I would probably bring down the counting stats as I bring down the home runs. But, uh but what do you think about the projections here?
1: Um I think it sounds pretty close. Um I think he should get back over 30 homers again and can see him getting back in the mid thirties. But, uh, yeah, he's not going to be a lot of help in the batting average category, so it's nothing in the 240s seems
0: most likely. So so maybe a little under on the home runs, but not maybe not quite as much as I am. Um, well, some first right. baseman, because I think that is, is the position where you want to play him. Um, there's plenty more outfielders available. But but as far as first baseman going after him, um, I found Yuli Gurriel is going about 20 picks later than Hoskins. Hoskins is going around. I saw him at one sixteen, so somewhere in that range, and I saw Yuli at one thirty six. So where what would be your preference between those two?
1: Um might depend on the team build up to that point. But I mean I'm not really buying into the power that Guriel displayed last year. I think he'll fall back quite a bit in that yeah, category. That's probably
0: but- a- bad comp on, on my part because you're really going for two different things there, right? Like, obviously, the average is going to be much, much better with Grayell, but there's no way you're getting 30-plus home runs, or at least, uh, you know, I certainly don't think so. It sounds like you don't either. Let's go even later, though. Um, so I, I passed over Danny Santana at 138. We'll talk about him later. But um, Carlos Santana at 154, or you know, just say around – so we're talking – almost 40 picks later, 35 or 40 picks later than Hoskins. Um, personally, you know, I think I would maybe even prefer Carlos 59 hundred sixty average. So you're already gaining there and they have him for 28 or 29 home runs, depending on which one you want to listen to. Uh, and so I, I actually think that's fairly reasonable for um, Carlos Santana, but I could see, Hoskins not not beating that by much if if at all. So so for me it's an easy, you know, not even given the, the several, you know, two or three rounds later price, I think I would just take Carlos Santana straight up, probably. What do you think?
1: Um, I'd it, yeah, it's close for me comparing them straight up and uh yeah, I think at the price point the price that they're going, I would prefer Santana Um, I don't think he'll repeat that 34 homers that he hit last year but he's uh, been a reliable bat for a long time and showing no signs of slowing down so he's getting up there in age but still think he's a pretty safe play doesn't have that 40 homer upside that I still think Hoskins has but um, like I said pretty safe play and I like him at his price okay
0: We definitely are more bullish on Hoskins' power than me. But I I agree on all counts with Santana. I don't expect him to hit 34 again. So there's definitely an edge to Hoskins on the power. Um, But like you said at the discount, taking Santana every day. Uh, Even later, Edwin Encarnacion, I saw him at like 180-something. So uh, there's a guy where the power might actually be there. Um, He hit 34 last year. ATC has him for 33. Steamer has him for 35. Slightly better batting average than Hoskins, 246 or 247. They have him for fewer counting stats and, you know, one or two steals instead of three. But I I think the counting stats are probably just – he may get a lot more time off, you know, a day day or two a week here and there um, than Hoskins will. So that's probably why those are lower. But um, pick 180 – 3 or whatever versus pick 116. That's an easy Encarnacion for me. What do you think?
1: Yeah, the gap is wider than I think it should be. They're very similar players and the only real difference is the age, but Encarnacion is still showing uh, solid power numbers and I think he can do it again this coming year. Like you said, he might get uh, some days off. The you know plate appearances are trending down, but he's in a good lineup and should put up pretty similar numbers to Hoskins at a much later,
0: much later um, pick. Agreed. So, and just to indulge me here, <clears throat> one guy I like a lot is Christian Walker, going way later. 212th is where I saw him, and um, the projections do not agree with me. And, I, you know, I'm really just curious about your take here. So ATC has him for 23 home runs, five stolen bases, so at least a couple more stolen bases, and a two forty-nine average. Um, but what they really don't believe, I guess, is the playing time because they've got him at 68 runs and 68 RBIs. So you're giving up quite a bit there in addition to the power. I think he's got way more than 23 home run power. Uh, last I saw... Uh, roster resource had in batting in the middle of the lineup. So I, I, I don't see why the counting stats would be that low. And I think he could even beat that batting average. And so you don't necessarily have to comp him to Hoskins here, but I, I guess I'm really just curious what you think about Christian Walker as a first-based option.
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, I think he's fine. I think the power is pretty legit. It It did fall off somewhat in the second half. His power metrics did, but um, yeah, he showed showed nice power, and he's pretty unlucky in the first half. Um, by the baseball HQ metrics, he had 20 expected homers and just 15 home runs during the first half. Um, you know, the only problems I see, Kevin Crone is behind him. He's basically the same player and a couple of years younger, so I don't know if at any point they might Turn to him, especially if Walker is struggling. And then there's a couple first basemen going after him that I like just as much or more. So I don't know that I'll be targeting Walker. Those first basemen, by the way, are like Daniel Murphy and C.J. Cron that I would probably prefer to Walker straight up. So you know, I do think he he'll be a nice power source if that's what you need, but probably not somebody I'm targeting at that point but i can see your case for it
0: for sure i can see your case for crone especially um just because of maybe a little bit more security of lineup spot and playing time i mean who's gonna push him out of the cleanup spot on the tigers he hit i I think he hit more home Mm -hmm. runs than their entire team last year (laughs) maybe that's a slight exaggeration but Mm -hmm. yeah there's no one there to 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 get him to push him down in the lineup and you know with starling Marte coming maybe i need to to pull back on Christian Walker a bit. So anyway, that was really just an indulgence for me. So I appreciate that. Let's talk about my, uh, my other avoid, and that is uh, Adalberto Mondesi. I think I'm saying that his first name, correctly, Adalberto. But um, Mondesi uh, is an interesting guy for me because I think, you know, I think everybody sees the the upside it's fifty plus steals, and we don't even really know what the ceiling is on that. I mean he stole forty three last year in just a hundred and two games, so obviously you know that could be sixty steals. we don't know um the thing about my sort of drafting strategy is is that just that i'm not I'm not going after players just for that category obviously steals is important we all you know have to figure out how we're going to get uh be competitive in steals but I try guys like I know I've alluded to Ramon Laureano and how much I love him and you know Puig's another good example um basically the players we comp to Puig I mean you got to take on some risk if you want to do like a Luis Robert situation but you know I'm just I'm going for guys that can get Power and counting stats, and and a lot of them a decent batting average, and guys like Mondesi scare me for those reasons. So his projections, I, you know, are actually a little bit better than I I see for him. Um, so ATC has him for 16 home runs, 70 runs, 67 RBIs, 47 steals, and a 252 average. So at that projection. I can almost get on board, but, but even then, um, you're accepting a 252 average uh, at pick. I think 34 or 35 is where he's going right now. So so fairly early in the third round, and you know, for me, um, it's you know I'm comparing that to somebody like Kettle Marte, who's going to hit you know almost 50 points higher in batting average. Or George Springer, who's going to have a very good batting average, or you know, Javi Baez, who's going to at least have, you know, two seventy five, two eighty average, and there's upside from there. And maybe, maybe I'm overlooking upside with Mondesi, but I'm just more comfortable with like a Springer in the outfield, and then a Med Rosario several rounds later, than something like Mondesi in the third round and like Michael Brantley several rounds later. I think they're going to give you. Um, well, you're certainly going to get more speed uh, with with the Mondesi Brantley route, but I think you're 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 going to have to give up some some counting stats um, and some power that way. And there's probably lots of other comparisons I could make. Um, but so I guess you know, going back to our, the way that we're trying to look at this, I I don't i don 't love the projection I feel like the I feel like I would take the under on some of those things i i 'm not sure about his power so sixteen home runs could totally be in the cards or it could be um, a little high or maybe it 's even low but um but so I guess it 's really just the average and then the the seventy runs and sixty seven rbis i 'm not sure that i 'm feeling good about those i mean they 're not great numbers for a third round player anyway but uh but I see a little fall out on the downside. So what do you think? Agree, disagree? Uh, are you avoiding him as well, or, or are you perfectly happy with Mondesi?
1: Um, yeah, I would be perfectly happy with Mondesi. He would be one of my targets if he's going at the same price uh, come March. So I, I, do, I do know there's a... Downside wrist with him. The shoulder thing has already been a problem. And, uh, you know, who knows if that'll recur again. And then he had a 247 on base percentage after June 1st, in his last 196 appearances. So there's, there is some downside, but uh, I, I think the upside is massive. I think the projections are even underselling the speed, uh, not just. Upside, but uh, the likelihood on the steals. He has 75 steals and 734 plate appearances over the last two years, so more than one every 10 plate appearances. And I mean, I think he he could just. I think there's a chance he could return first round value. So I mean, I think the price will go up if the uh, health news is positive in the spring. But right now, I think he's a uh, I think the risk is worth the reward right now.
0: So just with the, you know, and you, I didn't even mention the the health concerns. And I guess to me, I don't try to focus on that too much. Everybody has, everybody can get hurt. <laughs> but um, it just just looking at the the ATC projection, which I should have mentioned, is is actually lower than the Steamer projection. Steamer's got him for twenty home runs. 82 runs and 76 RBI, so it sounds like you you believe that it could be closer to Steamer's projection, or maybe even more. I don't know.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think he could hit 20 homers and still and still 60 bases if he was healthy. But wow. and I think you know, there's ways to. Build your roster around. You know, I I like the balanced approach. Also, some of the guys you mentioned, um, but say he's going at the around the two three turn, and if you get uh, somebody like if you take Trout and then come back around and the, at the two three turn and get um, Jordan Alvarez and Mondesi by ATC, you'd have through three rounds. 278 batting average, 99 homers, 63 steals. Or if you're going by depth charts, it's 275 batting average, 104 homers, and 65 steals. You know, if you'd rather – if you went to Cunha instead of Trout, you'd be up around 80 steals and 100 homers with a slightly lower batting average at that point. So, I mean – or you could get – instead of Alvarez, get an excellent starting pitcher there at that 2-3 area. So I think – I don't know. I think um, the way I look at it, it's pretty appealing to um, have a stacked line up with power and speed at that point in the draft, and he'd be a guy I was targeting if it, if he stays at that price right now.
0: I I have to correct myself on one thing. I mean, I really didn't notice the huge difference between the projections. So, Steamer has him for 12 more uh, runs and nine more RBIs even two more stolen bases not that he needs that but um and then the power of course the 20 home runs i mean it's a lot easier to to take a guy who's going to hit close to 20 than a guy who is going to struggle to hit 16 and i was certainly seeing him as the latter there so i you know i'm still not sure what i believe the the atc projection the steamer projection or Something below both. Um,
1: there is a big difference in plate appearances on those projections. ATC has him for a hundred less than Steamer does. So they're That's they're kind of driving counting. The difference. Yeah,
0: they're kind of baking in some some health you know issues, some some being out of the lineup. I guess being dinged up like he was last year, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, if you had a oh so. If you had 100 appearances by ATC, you know, he'd be up to 18 homers and 55, 56 steals or something
0: like that. Yeah, at so. least. Yeah. So you're right. Um, so they might actually like him for more speed. I guess that's what that means. Wow. Okay. Right. Well, I I may just have to leave Mondesi as a question mark for me um, because I, you know, this is just another good example, sort of like uh, Luis Robert, where I feel like the you know, for, for one thing, with any player that you're expecting a lot of, like the the projections that expect 25-25 from Luis Robert or something, something around there, with with modesty, you know, any any player that you're expecting fifty steals from, or or, or you know, certainly this profile of of a twenty sixty type player, um, the error bars are going to be bigger too. So for both those types of guys, I mean, any you know right. and I, of course you could say the same about Cunha or mike trout if they if they get hurt you're losing a lot but um i guess with with mondesi it's it's especially uh it is it's especially noticeable for me because uh if for some reason he underperforms you know you're really you're really losing a lot in the third round and of course, if he overperforms, he could win you your league. So, so it's it's uh yeah, you know
1: yeah that's one other element of risk that if you lose him, um, you're, you know you're counting on his speed when you draft him, and you're going to be scrambling to find a replacement in that category all season if you lose him. So the, the deeper the league, the harder that is to do.
0: Also. That's a great point too when you think about what what kind of league you're in. That you would want to have a guy like Mondesi. Obviously, it's a, it's it's some kind of roto. But um, you know, I do a lot of draft champions, and so it's probably reasonable to have him a little lower in that because you won't be able to make that up elsewhere. You know, you've got to, you've got to be even more balanced in that kind of a league. And maybe that's why I'm sort of down on a guy who balance is not the word that you would use to describe Mondesi's profile. <laughs> But yeah. Yeah. The upside is so. Sounds like you know you're pretty much in line with the projections. Which you know, if you if you include all those steals or even more, it's a little bit hard to comp him. He's one of five or six players, I believe, that ATC has for even 30 plus steals, and he's ahead of all of them by a lot. So Trey Turner, Acuna, obviously, I think we would both agree you take those guys over <laughs> Montezuma, but. But then there's um, there's VR, uh, Victor Robles, and Malik Smith. And, of course, Malik's is way down at 150-ish or so. And um, I think you would agree there's not much of a comparison there. I mean, you he might, you might even have a lower batting average than Mondesi. He's not going to get you anything in the way of power and his counting stats and even his playing time are very suspect. Uh, does that fit?
1: Yeah, definitely one-trick
0: pony. But let's – Think about VR, who's going a couple picks behind Mondesi, or right right around there. I've got him at 38, so 35 versus 38, call that a wash. Or Victor Robles going about 20 picks later at 56, 57, somewhere in there. Would you? Uh, you know, the, the the difficult thing here is that even if everything else is the same, or maybe even a little bit better than Mondesi you know, he's getting 15 more steals than either of these guys are projected, you know, and that's even before counting the potential upside, which you have to take into account. So what's your, I'll I'll just, I'll just throw it to you there. What's your general thoughts uh, on VR and Robles?
1: Um, two guys I'm not really targeting. Um, I don't know. Last year was as good as it gets for VR. I think he'll take a step back and not I mean not be worth a mid third round pick in these 15 team leagues and, and Is then that I'll oh, go and ahead. Is that
0: because um is that because of the difference in steals? Cuz basically if you look at the projection, he's got a slightly better projection for batting average, pretty much in the same range for power. And the counting stats, he's got more runs and fewer RBIs, so however you want to look at that. Um, but 33 steals versus Mondesi's, you know, 47 or 49, whatever you want to look at there. Um, and that's that's with more plate appearances projected too. So is it just that you, you like the Mondesi projection better um, on its face or you just see... You just don't believe VR is going to get to his projection. Um, yeah, I just don't think VR is going to
1: repeat what he did in the power department last year. I also think that 274 average that he hit for was well over his head too. So I think he's just going to take
0: a step back across the Well, the, the projections board. have him for a step back. So you would you would basically be in line with the projection and you just like might see a lot more because <laughs> – 15-plus steals. Actually. Yeah, I think there's...
1: Yeah, more intrigued by the massive upside. Okay.
0: Well, um, I'll let you talk about Robles now, but that might be a similar uh, talk because I'm obviously... 15 steals is nothing to sneeze at, and if that's sort of the difference uh, in the players, then I can see why you would prefer Mondesi.
1: Right. Yeah, I just don't trust that Robles is even going to be able to duplicate the power he showed last year. I do think he'll provide some speed, but I'm afraid he's going to be stuck at the bottom of that lineup. And, you know, his batted ball data isn't very impressive. So, sure, he could take a step up, but I think he's going a little earlier than I'd be willing to take him.
0: I agree. The lineup is a good thing to call out for for counting stack concerns. Um, even though he hit 255 last year, which isn't crushing you, he only ended up with 65 RBIs. Even though he had the 17 home runs, so he's, you know, part of, part of the, and, and that's even with batting first. Some, I mean, I don't remember if it was a 50-50 split between when he was at the, the top and the bottom of the lineup. But if he makes his way to the to the back of that lineup, more than not, you know, those counting stats are going to suffer even more. I'm with you about the potential lack of power i mean he, he's he got it in the back but how much is he going to get to it but what's most interesting to me honestly is is the average like they're penciling him in for a 262 atc even has him at 264 average and you know not only did he hit 255 last year but his expected batting average i think it was 233 uh, let's see if i can verify that so i'm not just throwing out bad information Yes, 233 was his XBA on uh, Stack S. So, you know, Rebullis has has some improving to do, and uh, we we know he can get there. He's he was a an uber prospect, but um, I'm not willing to to say he's going to have a a solid to good batting average. I think you know there could be some more growing pains there. So, I'm actually I'm actually with you on that one. I would take I'd definitely take Modesty over him. I think I would definitely take modesty over VR too because of the upside. I just think those are interesting comparisons because outside of those guys that I mentioned and, you know, including Malik Smith, you're not getting 30 plus, um, stolen bases from, from anyone. And to me, that's interesting because maybe you don't, maybe you don't need 50 stolen bases from, from one guy. Um, but if you're going to win the category, modesty seems like a reasonable choice. Um, I don't know how, how to best phrase this. I guess I'm thinking if you win the category by 30 stolen bases, it's no better than winning the category by five stolen bases or one stolen base. And so, I mean, maybe my question is, is Mondesi overkill? <laughs> is, is what he's doing for you in stolen bases, which is great, you know, maybe more than and, and obviously, you can build your team in a way where you you don't get a bunch of other guys, and so you don't go overkill. You do get a bunch of other stolen base guys. But I guess um, right. then you run into the danger. Of- yeah, he's not.
1: Yeah, he's not somebody I would want to pair with Trey Turner early <laughs> yeah. on, you know. And um, but with anybody else, I mean, I think I would be happy to take him. In the mid to late second, or where he's going now, and uh, you know, I would just focus on batting average and power, and uh, for the next several yeah, rounds. Yeah, I, like,
0: I like the way you, you and, threw it out with like him and Jordan Alvarez, or uh, and Trout, you know, or something like that. That makes a lot of sense. But yeah, I guess the question I was fumbling for was, what do you do later with stolen bases if you take Mondesi here? Do you do you go? do you just sort of say, well, I'm good and maybe take a few guys that are going to get you 10, 10 stolen bases or so, um, but not really, not really press for trying to get another, you know, 80 or 90 stolen bases. Cause you're already, you're already pretty set. Or do you still target guys like a Rosario later? He's a guy I like, I don't know, throw out whatever guy you would say, but like, do you, try to get a couple of 15, 20 stolen base guys later? Or or do you, can you not uh afford that? Because now you have to be thinking, you know, power with every pick.
1: No, I still think you can um, afford to go for a few 15, 20 still guys later. It would, you know, you need to, they could be part of your backup plan if things go wrong with Mondesi, performance or health-wise. And um, you know, I don't think you can just say I'm good. You're gonna have to add add some steals along the way at some point. So I wouldn't cross any other uh, stolen base guy off the board just because I have Mondesi. I still think you gotta you know mainly focus on power beyond him, but you also need to add a few steals and then. If things go wrong with him, you'd have to just be on the lookout all season for steals. And in mixed leagues, there are going to be some guys that are available. So I don't think... um, So I think you'll still be able to find somebody.
0: Yeah, so I guess what it comes down to with Mondesi is that he's an upside play. He's not the safe play. And so you you better have a plan. You better know your league. And you better have... um, You better understand the, the risks that he brings. But if he really is a 20 home run guy, then he's probably also an an 80 80 guy like like Steamer has, that can also get you 50 stolen bases. And so that is impossible to to reproduce anywhere, and um, a huge value in the third round, even if it comes with a batting average around 250 that you're going to have to to sort of make up for later. And instead of sort of booing your team's batting average in the third round, you're you're hurting it a little bit, but It's uh, it's a pretty good trade-off. So I think I'm coming around more on him if I can start to believe he's a 20-home run guy. So I I guess I really need to look into that. What I am not convinced about is that I will be able to uh, make you come around on my target, uh, which is Danny Santana. And um, I've said this on the podcast before uh, that I like Danny Santana, that I'm targeting him, um, especially because he's first base eligible and he gets you... Steals, but uh, also I, I believe in the, the skills he showed last year. I think his underlying metrics support that he was actually sk- showing those skills. It wasn't wasn't some kind of crazy lucky season. But I, I admit that he's never shown those skills before, and so there's a there's a good bit of risk. But um, he's a he's a crazy interesting player, and I think um, also a very polarizing one. I mean, he is just your you're least likely if if you were, if anyone was to tell you that Danny Santana was going to be a a a guy that people were picking you know in the seventh or eighth round uh, this time last year you would you would have said who <laughs> you would not have believed him um, I don't think because he wasn't even really showing that he was going to sniff everyday playing time he never had in his career he was 28 years old he's now 29 years old um, there was just nothing nothing foretelling uh, the season that would come from Danny Santana. But at the end, in just 130 games, he got 28 home runs and 21 stolen bases, 81 runs, 81 RBI, and a 283 batting average. Um, I always look to expected batting average to see uh, just how much a player got lucky or uh, overperformed but his expected batting average was 275 so kind of in line there you could see in, in addition to whether or not a player got lucky i have always th- think about how skills fluctuate you know it, just because you're hitting you know 400 for a month doesn't mean you're going to be a 400 hitter <laughs> you know you're you're probably going to yeah. you're going to fluctuate next month you'll have trouble hitting 250 so uh i could see him this, maybe his skills were were just uh fluctuating up this season and maybe he he takes a step step back and instead of earning two seventy five he earns two fifty five um and then he either ends up at two sixty or two fifty um but honestly even if that is the case i'm i'm pretty okay with Danny Santana maybe more than okay um that's actually where his projection is coming in is is right around. Um, 250, 249, 251, somewhere in there. Uh, but with the the projection also for about a 2020 guy. And what I think is interesting about the projection for me is uh, both ATC and Steamer have him at 70-70 for runs in RBI. Um, and yet, you know, playing more games with a good deal more plate appearances than last season. <laughs> and I'm just thinking that doesn't add up. So either either – it's going to be much, much less than that because he's going to play his way out of the lineup and then you will never hear from Danny Santana again. Or he's going to have, you know, probably over 80 in each again and maybe even, you know, more than that. So uh, I just, you know, I I really, I I like the projections here. I actually think that there's a, a good deal more power than the 20 home runs he's projected for. And so I am willing to give up the, the likely or even potential um, sort of pullback in batting average to get um, the, the power and the speed uh, and a guy that I think is going to be the cleanup hitter for the Rangers. So what do you think about Danny Santana uh, as I duck under the table because I'm scared of what you're going to say?
1: He is a very tough one to figure out. I mean, if, you, if he picks up where he left off, in 2019, he's an absolute bargain at this price. But just go back one year to 2018, he's a 27-year-old in AAA who couldn't get couldn't even get on base at 300 clip. So he doesn't walk. He strikes out a lot. Uh, I mean, he's tough. I think the floor is, like you said, the upside is high, as you can see from last year. But the floor is, he doesn't play very much. So, you know, most of the projections have him around 250 average in 2020. And I don't know. I don't think I will be too interested at this price. Maybe I can be convinced otherwise between now and mid-March. But a little too much risk. That that plate discipline turns me off. And, the, you know, it wasn't that long ago that he was struggling at triple A as a twenty seven year old. So I don't know. I think I mean you look at Scott Kingery, Santana's ADP in the online championships in January are is 138. Kingery is exactly 30 picks later at 168. He's basically got the same projection, just a few points lower in batting average, but close to twenty twenty by depth charts and ATC. And Baseball HQ. And then, digging deeper, I found uh, another comp in uh, going outside the 20th round. Nico Goodrum has a pretty similar profile. And you know, 240 to 250 batting average. And close to 20-20, 17 homers, 15 steals, looking at ATC. but hmm. um, So, I'm just... I think the playing time is a little safer with him, and you get almost a 200 pick discount for a fairly similar player that, although the upside I'll grant you isn't what Santana brings to the table, but I'm going to have to, if I have to pick a side, I'll say I'll disagree with you on Santana and probably not be owning him in 2020.
0: Well, that's interesting. I mean, definitely, uh, I agree with your, and I hope I even pointed out the points about the, the downside. Um, You know, and I think if if Danny Santana was going in the fifth round or sixth round, I I don't think I would have I don't think I would have drafted him at all. But uh, to me, the fact that, you know, he's going behind um, even where Puig's going now, you know, and he's going behind other other guys that I really, really like there like Castellanos and Soler and, um, you know, getting him. After that, I feel a lot more certain uh, makes me more willing to take uh, Danny Santana. Now, there's still a lot of great things you can get in rounds eight, nine and ten. Don't get me wrong. Um, But I don't think you're getting anybody with like Yasiel Puig upside at that point. And I really think Santana has Yasiel Puig upside. Um, That said, (laughs) it's there's no there's no bottom. Right. So if you if you take him kind of have to get a first baseman later that you, uh, are willing to plug in and, you know, not a, not a, uh, impossible thing, especially in draft champions leagues would be to take him and then 10 rounds later, take Nico Goodrum as well. So, uh, I'm, I'm very open to that. And I think that's a good, good call out. I, I, I definitely think, like you said, the, the upside is not nearly the same with Goodrum, but, uh, I think maybe if you get those those two guys together, you're probably going to end up with a lot of um, a lot of speed. Uh, is Goodrum? I don't know if he's going to be first base eligible, but no.
1: Well, uh, it depends on your league. He had 18 games there last year, so okay.
0: so not in the For
1: NFBC. He's second
0: short and outfield, but not quite first. In the NFBC, okay. So maybe that's uh, if you're if you're playing Danny Santana at outfield, you can replace him with Goodrum. But yeah, I mean those those steals are are worth something. The, the spot in the lineup, you have to figure he's going to get some decent counting stats. Although, you know, but neither of those teams are you know are they going to get like Yankees type counting stats, right? So especially in right. Detroit. But but yeah, I think uh, I think it's it's reasonable to 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 think about your backup plan if you take a guy like Danny Santana. Um, and I I will willfully admit that I'm I'm taking him for the upside but um, I don't think you have to squint too hard to see um, upside that um, could really be sort of a game changer. And so that's, that's why I'm in on him, but I accept, I accept fair. your disagreement and I think your criticisms are valid.
1: Well, thank you. <laughs> but you can have him if we head to head in the
0: league. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I think I'll, uh, I think we, we, we might want to end it there. So um, what would you like to, to talk about that you're working on uh, that you want people to know about?
1: Um, well, i have been doing um, the occasional facts, flukes pieces for baseball HQ in the off season. I had one come out just a couple of days ago and have a couple more coming up here pretty soon. We got a, um, you know, our off season content is picking up closer to end season mode right now. we got a lot of, fresh articles on the site daily now. So, um, everybody check that out and I can be found on Twitter at, at Rudd HQ. And it's been, uh, thanks for having me on. It's been, it was great talking baseball with you in Arizona and it's been fun today as well.
0: Agreed, man. And for the baseball HQ stuff, uh, you just, if you, you sign up and, um, on the website, you you get access to all of that, the facts and flukes, and then the, uh, the other stuff that you do there and that others contribute?
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Go to baseballhq.com for information there. And I'll have a two-start pitcher column starting up once the season comes around as well. I've been doing that the last few years, and I'm
0: doing that again this year. Cool. So the, the sooner you uh, get your Baseball HQ access, the, you can have it in the offseason too. I love that. Yeah. Uh, and then I know you will have a podcast, at least one, right? Is it just the one with Patrick Davitt? Okay. Yes. Yep. You ever on that one? Uh, I've listened several times. I don't remember uh, if I've heard you on there.
1: No, I have not been on there, but
0: maybe this year I'll be making an appearance or two. I like it. I like it. Looking forward to that. Well, thanks again, man, so much. It's been really good talking. And uh, I, I love the work that you put out. And I feel like you uh, you give some good uh Good, good thoughts, good strategy, and good analysis. So, I uh, really appreciate you being here. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. And so, thanks for listening, everyone. That'll do it for this episode. Uh, find me on Twitter at uh, Common Sense FBB. And as always, stay classy, Planet Baseball.